Hey team, welcome to episode four of the Velasco Fitness Collective podcast. It's James and Ellie again here this week. Hi Ellie. Hey guys. Um, we are going to be talking this week about kit bags and equipment and accessories. Um, we've in, kind of fondly titled this episode, What You're Packing, which Ellie was a big fan of. Um, I've been told this week that I didn't need to prepare any warm-up questions which confused me and then worried me, uh, and my worries have since been confirmed. So I believe that I am um, going to be the one getting the warm-up this week. Is that right? You are. I think it's only fair after my uh, ruling over the last week's accusation of a sometimes questionable life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're allowed to question your life. So, are you ready? Yeah, I think so. Okay, grips or no grips? Grips. Squat or deadlift? Deadlift. Is that a joke? <laughs> Snowboarding or surfing? <clears throat> uh, snowboarding. Waffle or brownie? Brownie. Pet hate? How long is the segment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, people stopping in front of me unnecessarily and suddenly. Okay. <laughs> What was your favourite podcast you're listening to at the moment, other than this one, which you technically create rather than listen to? My favourite podcast at the moment is probably, for anything serious, Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron, and for anything that is just incredibly funny and sometimes a little bit close to the line, is James Haskell and Chloe Maidley have made a um, couples quarantine podcast, and it's... It's not for the faint-hearted, but it's real funny. It's real good. Nice. If you could sing or dance really well, which one would it be? Sing. Nice. Um, and after a recent discovery, oh, would okay. you now say crunchy or smooth peanut butter? <laughs> um, I'm probably still... Uh, crunchy. <laughs> you say still think, crunchy, just, that's changed. No, 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 that's I was going to say I'm probably still smooth, but I think if I could find more crunchy peanut butter, like the one that I've had recently, then that might be enough. Manny Life uh, Deep Roast is the peanut butter you're talking Manny about, Life. and it is the best peanut butter on the face of the planet. <clears throat> Although if we're throwing nut butters in there, then I'm a cherry bakewell almond butter from Pip and Nut every time. 100%. Agreed. <clears throat> And that is smooth, but we'll let you off on that one. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Thanks, Ellie. I, uh, I feel thoroughly warmed up and ready to go. Um, let's start, maybe as usual, for those that maybe haven't been here for a couple of days in the last sort of week or two. Uh, there's been a couple of updates in and around the gym, which are really cool. A um, couple of new bits of equipment in place, a couple about to be in place. So do you want to give everyone a bit of a two-minute overview of kind of where the gym's at now? Sure thing. Okay, so for those of you that have been in in the last few days, you will have possibly noticed the new wall ball targets, which are up there along the mez and against the uprights, which are underneath the mez. Um, so if you like wall balls, good news, they are coming back. Karen, here we come. Yeah. Uh, if you don't like wall balls, apologies, too bad. They're good for you. They're a highly functional movement, and uh, you will be seeing them regardless. I might issue the gym a challenge as well. If you do decide to utilize the new wall ball targets, if you use the 15 kilo blue wall ball and do what I refer to as 
Fat Karen, send me a video. Send us a video and we'll post it. That's going to be a long video. Um, okay, what else is new around the gym? So the kickboards have arrived. We need to put the logos on them and they will be going up in the next couple of weeks. Um, we have ordered two new pull-up bars to go up on the mares, which will be going up next week in preparation for the new gymnastic classes, which are starting the week beginning the 7th of September. And there are, there's a new addition to that. So they were on a Monday evening, Tuesday evening, and Saturday morning. We are also putting two on, thanks to Jono, who's very kindly offered to um, coach gymnastics on a Monday morning as well. So if you are an off-peak member or you like training in the day, get signed up for those. The gymnastic classes are 30 minutes long, purely focusing on skill, and the first six-week block, which is how we're going to run the gymnastics, will be focusing on pull-ups. Yes. Um, we've also got lots of new bumpers around the gym, um, and there are another couple of sets soon to be on order. Um, and we've also got dumbbells on order, and there's something else. What have I missed? I don't know. If you don't know, I don't know. I think that's it. I think that's it for now. It'll be cool, whatever it is, I'm sure. Um, cool, thanks. We've also announced the details of the birthday party, I believe. Racks, that's what we missed. Racks. Racks. If you've been in this week, you'll notice the addition of racks. So, uh, yeah, sorry, guys. Um, if you haven't yet been in, we've got racks. So when we are squatting or pressing heavy, we can go out of a rack um, and... They're going to stay on the stations just because it's a little bit easier with space. We are also going to order another couple because, as you may have noticed, we are starting to increase the number in classes. Still within safety limits, we're having 14 on Wednesdays as we've got 14 ergs. Um, and then hopefully over the next few weeks, looking at where there are hotspots, we'll be increasing some of the classes to 14, potentially 16 kit, space, etc. depending. But yeah, keep your eyes open. If you see increased numbers on the classes, don't panic, it's not a mistake. Cool. So after ruining my first go at the birthday party segue, let's try it again. We've also announced details of the birthday party, haven't we, Ellie? We have. Nice. Going <laughs> to let everyone know the deal with that. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, we undeniable about this quite a lot, obviously, with current restrictions in place. Um, but we've done a little bit of research. We can have a gathering outside. So we, on the 19th of September technically four days after our fifth birthday, but, you know, we don't want to party in the middle of the week. Um, we are going to have a socially distanced, I guess it's almost a bit of a mini festival kind of thing. Um, there's going to be a DJ. There is going to be a pizza van. So they're going to be cooked fresh yeah. on site. So we're not ordering any Domino's or anything like that. We are going to have somewhere a pizza van on site. You can order the flavour pizza that you want, and they will also cater for gluten-free and vegan. Um, we're also going to have an ice cream van on site that doesn't just do ice cream. They do trays of ice cream covered in your choice of toppings, nuts, sauces, etc., etc., etc. As I said, there'll be a DJ. There'll be tables sort of dotted around. We're going to have it outside in the car park, so there's plenty of space. Um, and there'll be bunting and lighting, and there'll be buckets of beer and wine and cider and stuff. If you want to bring your own. Uh, drinks please feel free to the only thing you need to do if you want to come along is let us know as soon as possible and bring 10 pounds in cash please as soon as you possibly can we need that by the 10th of september at the latest and if you are coming you need something to put your ass on if you're going to want to sit down and you need to bring something to drink out of if you're not happy drinking out of cans or you're going to want to help yourself to wine 
other than that nice sounds good looking forward to it pizza van ice cream truck i'm in um so gym equipment there's obviously a whole battlefield of littered with gym equipment and accessories and stuff that all claim to help you lift stuff that claims to help your form stuff that claims to help your grip all sorts of things that are heavily marketed as as being useful and to be fair some of that has its place there is some other stuff that probably shouldn't be quite as high on your priority list as things like sleep and mobility and stuff like that so we're just going to kind of talk through kind of what's in our kit bags first of all and then we're going to pick on the top kind of four or five most popular most popular pieces of equipment that you generally see and probably the ones that you tend to get the most questions about as well. We've had a couple of questions on our Facebook page, a couple of questions kind of messaged through about different bits of equipment. So we kind of figured we'd have a single resource to be able to direct everybody towards. So we're going to, when we get into it, we're going to talk specifically about lifting belts, about Olympic lifting shoes or weightlifting shoes, knee sleeves and knee wraps, skipping ropes and grips. So those will be the five things that we cover in a little bit more detail. To start with, Ellie Buck, what's in your gym bag? My gym bag? Um, probably quite a lot I've not used in a long time. Um, but yeah, so I've got a lifting belt. Um, those of you that listened to one of the earlier podcasts will know that I do not have lifting shoes currently. Um, I do have knee wraps. Got running shoes though. Do have running shoes and they're being used. <laughs> Um, skipping rope, definitely have my own skipping rope. Um, and I don't have grips, but I do have tape. I also have things like TheraBands. Um, I've got my own um, bands that we use downstairs in class just in case I go traveling or I want to use them at home. Um, I also have a shaker just to make sure that I've always got something that I can drink my protein um, out of at the end of a session. Um, a couple of spare hair bands. Girls or people with long hair in general generally need hair bands. We tend to lose them quite a lot. Nice. Um, other than that, um, I'm assuming you don't have hair bands in your kit bag, but no, I've got beard oil. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <clears throat> um, but yeah, my kit bag is fairly similar. I've got my belt. I've got my lifters. I've got a shaker. I've got some tape. Currently, some liquid chalk. Um, got some second skin stuff. So like if you tear some like, it's like a uh, liquid plaster that forms a second skin. That's How quite... painful is it on open skin? Yeah, if you, go, if you go too raw, it's a bit, bit of a shock. Um, got, my, got my slingshot in my gym bag currently, which is that, my, uh, my little fun toy for bench press. Um, that will be pretty low down on the priority list for most people, I think. Um, what else? Skipping rope. Got my little red guy, my little deadlift jack. So yeah, it's a good little bag of tricks, really. Um, <clears throat> All the gear. And moderate idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess to start with then, let's talk lifting belts. So Ellie, we've both got a belt. Yeah. I've actually got two. One I keep at home, which is um, kind of typical belt with like a clasp, like a metal pin, like a buckle, I guess. I don't know what you call it on a lifting belt. It's definitely not a belt buckle, but it's not Velcro, um, which the one in my gym bag is. Um, why Why do I need a belt? Why do I want a belt? 
Good question. Um, so, I mean, belts are there predominantly to provide additional support. So for a lot of people, when they first start squatting or deadlifting, they're not necessary. I mean, even people who, who've been lifting for a long time, they're not necessary, but they are... They can provide additional support, which means that you're potentially going to be able to push up your top end numbers. Um, they're there to effectively act as a second core, I guess. You can brace against them, which means that your trunk or the, the, your core is going to be a little bit more stable, a little bit stronger, um, which means that when you've got heavy load on your back or your front um, or even overhead, um, and pulling from the floor, you're going to have if if the if the middle bit of you, which tends to be the least strong and stable, has a bit more support. Um, it stands to reason that you're going to be able to move a bit more weight. Yeah, nice. I, and I think the idea of bracing against it, you know, belt that as with anything really, it has to be used properly. And with a belt, the idea is that you would draw as much air as possible into your stomach as you breathe in, so that you can press outwards against it both forwards backwards and actually you know to the sides as well the idea of giving that you know almost wrapping your core up in something even more stable just to keep you in a nice kind of supported flat position kind of stop you rounding off your back it's definitely not the case that you know with a belt you can sacrifice form they do add you know five ten percent right at the top end but as ellie suggested you know unless you're you're pushing for a new PR and able to kind of get to that sort of point without the band in the first place. They have their place, but they're definitely not like an essential, you know, you're not going to buy a belt and all of a sudden start PRing all your lifts. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, I mean, as somebody who uses a belt, and I know James, you do too, um, whether I am, I don't deadlift in a belt, uh, I do squat in a belt, I do go heavy overhead with a belt and I clean with a belt, I do not snatch with a belt, um, but I will only ever wear a belt when I am up past 80% um, when I'm training. So even if I'm, if I'm not going past 80% on that day, I won't wear it at all. Um, and if I'm going over 80%, I will only put it on at the point where I am past 80% um, because it's important that you have got a, a really good base level of strength and stability without any additional support before you start wearing one um, when you when you want to go a little bit heavier. Nice. There, there's a whole whole load of brands that offer, you know, everybody, I'm, I'm pretty sure even my mum's got her own fitness brand that offers lifting belts. You know, they're, they're pretty common, pretty easy to find. There's a couple of different types. So the, the two that I have, the one I have at home is kind of a shadow from my more powerlifting style days of training whereby the belt is physically thicker there's very little given it if you try and move into a kind of uncomfortable position or real deep squat and you've got that strap tight you know about it it's four inches all the way around uh, and then buckled in place so it's pretty thick um it's about half an inch in depth that differs to my velcro belt which is much, much thinner. Obviously, it's nylon, I think, maybe, um, which obviously has an awful lot more give. That means that I can move around a lot more wearing it. Velcro is obviously a lot easier to quickly loosen and tighten as well. So if I'm in a Metcon and I've got 
maybe some weightlifting and some gymnastic movements. I might loosen it for the gymnastic stuff and pull it tight for the weightlifting stuff. So generally, they're a little bit easier to get on with. Proper Metcon lifting belts as well. You'll have seen those. Those are the ones that are slightly thicker at the back and thinner at the front. Again, that's even more so that you can you know, move as freely as you need to, really, having that extra space at the front to kind of hinge and bend and get up and down and so on and so forth. Shoes, lifting shoes. I've just treated myself to a, a new pair of lifters, so I'm currently unnecessarily all over the lifters' hype. Why, same question as I asked for the belts, I guess, what's the what's the deal with weightlifting shoes? When should I get them? Why should I get them? Okay, um, so weightlifting shoes are there to predominantly well so basically they they reduce the angle in your ankle so um they if you struggle with ankle mobility they will help you get into a better position in a squat so snatching cleaning squatting um they're also they've got a really solid base so they don't have a huge amount of give apart from possibly in the toe depending on which brand you go for which means the it's a much more stable platform from which to work with. So when you're squatting, obviously you want to be on a really nice, hard, solid platform. If you're cleaning or snatching and you're jumping, you want to be landing on a really solid base so that you can you can stick the lift. Um, so those are, those are the two main reasons I would say you would potentially consider getting lifting shoes. Yeah, it, it's... If I guess a, a, a maybe a, a way to kind of think about this and maybe to compare them to, uh, I guess, at each end of the spectrum on footwear. If I told you to do a squat clean stood on your bed versus doing a squat clean stood on a wooden lifting platform, you know, one is going to give you much surer footing. It's going to, you know, your, your, the planting of your feet, your ankles, your knees, your glutes, your, your quads, you know, everything will be able to brace accordingly whereas on your bed you know you have no idea where that squat clean is going to end up because you don't have that level of stability now i'm not saying standard running trainers are like bed mattresses by any means but it kind of gives you an idea as to kind of padded cushioned sports trainers versus super solid lifting shoes that you literally strap your feet into hopefully you can kind of see the the reason for that again like a belt it's not the sort of thing that you're going to buy lifting shoes and all of a sudden all your lifts are going to improve and you're going to PR your lifts right, left and center. They are assistance at the top end, but kind of not a substitute for um, poor movement mechanics or poor mobility. Um, That's a good point. I think the, the difference between a belt and shoes is that if you're going to lift in shoes, you want to warm up in them because they change... They change the angle of your foot so you don't want to be lifting really well in trainers and then move into a lifting shoe for that top end if you're going to wear them wear them because they will change the position that you're in the added so as james has said they're not a substitute for poor mobility but they can help with improving mobility so if if you've got really poor ankle flexion what we mean by that is that you when you sit into a squat your knees can't move forward at all so they stay directly over your ankle it means that you have poor ankle mobility so typically we would see that in runners often have very poor ankle mobility cyclists often have it um, 
So where people use their calf muscles a lot, it can make ankles super tight. If you wear a lifting shoe, which will naturally push your knee slightly further out over your toe, which means your your shin is coming away from that vertical plane, over a period of time, that increased range of movement that the shoe is giving you, if you work on mobility at the same time, it will actually help you increase your ankle mobility because you're pushing past a point that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get to, which is then a good foundation for you to build on. Cool. And I think there's probably maybe worthwhile touching on something else, Al, if you wouldn't mind. So, I, you know, we talked about kind of cushioned sports shoes and running trainers, and we've talked about weightlifting shoes. There is a bit of a middle ground. I haven't told you that I have got a pair, a new pair of Metcons arriving today. Um, and the second new pair of Metcons arriving in three weeks in inverted colours. Were they purchased <coughs> under the influence of a couple of espresso martinis by any chance? You, so Steve's already. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, one one pair might have been the pair that I've got arriving today. Don't. So they're going to be a uh, they're going to be gracing the gym <laughs> in the next couple of days. Um, but yeah, that kind of jokes aside, and my kind of poor tasting shoe. Yeah. Gimmicks. Aside. Um, Hey, all, you need all the gear now. Idea said, kind of said that from the off. Why? Where's that? Where's that kind of middle ground shoe serve? You know, in in purpose and and usefulness. Okay. Um. So, as James liked to earlier, um, I've I've recently invested in a pair of running shoes. Um, there there is no perfect shoe for everything that we do in here. Um, but there certainly are shoes which are designed specifically or more specifically with functional fitness in mind. So you're looking for a shoe which provides a decent amount of stability, something that has a flat sole and um, something that is going to allow your foot to, to move a little bit. So you're talking about things, as, as James has, has mentioned, he's now the owner of about five pairs, Metcons, um, things like Nobles, um, nanos all of these shoes were designed with functional fitness in mind things like running trainers or lifting shoes all have their place and if you're going to go for a 10k run then i would strongly advise you to wear a pair lifting of running shoes tra- absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> running trainers um because you're doing it's a long distance you're going to be in those shoes for a long time um if you're going to be lifting heavy or you have poor ankle mobility or you want some more stability in the squat, for instance, then I would strongly suggest you wear a pair of weightlifting shoes. But if you're going to buy one pair of shoes, it would need to be something that will cover all bases. So a functional fitness shoe, as the ones we've mentioned, are where you want to be looking. And if at all possible, you want to be staying away from running shoes when you're doing functional fitness because they are designed to drive you into your toes in everything you do, which we want to not do, you should be sitting on a flat foot and weight going through the heel when you're squatting, pressing, starting a jump, all that sort of stuff. Um, So running trainers ideally don't wear them. Um, And lifting shoes, yes, this is a question that we've been asked before, Um, can you wear them in a Metcon? You can wear them in a Metcon if you've got things like air squats or kettlebell swings, and they're set with, I don't know, maybe some gymnastics or some sort of barbell movement, when you wouldn't want to wear a lifting shoe in a Metcon is when you have anything which is going to include jumping, 
bouncing, running, because that's going to get really uncomfortable really quickly and that's actually not very good for your foot because your foot needs to be able to flex and bend beyond the allowance of a lifting shoe in those cases. Yeah, there's no right or wrong shoe to an extent to wear really when you're training. For instance, if there was an open workout not so long ago that was um, thrusters and pull-ups, I wore lifters for that because they helped me significantly in thrusters to remain kind of upright. Um, and when I'm doing pull-ups, what I've got on my feet is completely irrelevant. If it was back squats and box jumps and a 400-meter run, I'm definitely not going to wear my lifting shoes. I'm going to wear something a little bit more well-rounded like Metcons. Um, Metcons as well, you, if you're kind of new to um, Valesco or new to functional fitness world, you might have heard the phrase in reference to a workout, metabolic conditioning. In this sense, they are Nike's brand of, of training shoe. So Nike have the Metcons. Currently, the Metcon 6. Reebok have the Nanos. Um, what else? Noble have their kind of fitness shoes. Um, so, yeah, there's a few brands. Innovate as well are, are definitely entering the space pretty heavily with some good, super light Olympic lifting shoes and some kind of all-round training shoes as well. So there's a few brands for you. Um, cool. Up from the feet, knees, knee sleeves. We both have knee sleeves. We both use knee sleeves. Do you want to take this one then? Yeah, cool. Um, <clears throat> so knee sleeves are, there's knee sleeves and there's knee wraps. So knee sleeves are the kind of neoprene, flexible, kind of complete, no breaks, not like a, a wrapped tape um, sleeve, as the name would suggest, that you slip on over your foot and you pull up and they essentially kind of hug your knee. The idea behind knee sleeves is, is kind of the same idea as behind lifting belts. So they will offer you a level of support. They will apply pressure kind of 360 degrees around the knee joint. This will, if you're kind of suffering with knee-related problems, the added pressure can sometimes help. We're going to get on to kind of equipment as a substitute for injury in a little bit so i'm not going to go too far into that um but they are heavily kind of elastic which means if i'm squatting and i pull my knee sleeves on i'm going to get a couple of extra percent support from my knee sleeves than if i wasn't wearing them if i'm wearing something that's designed to be straight and is constantly pulling back to being a straight sleeve and i squat down essentially bending it in half there's going to be a level of support on my knee joint that is essentially wanting me to stand back up. Um, I'm a fan of them, again, <clears throat> from a certain percentage. So I, I wear my knee sleeves if I'm squatting, so front squat, back squat, sometimes if I'm cleaning, and that's pretty much it. And even then, it will have to be probably 80 85% unless I forget that I've got them around my ankles like I did last week and then I don't wear them at all. But it would probably have to be that kind of 80, 85% mark before I think about putting them on. And and that's, again, it goes back to the idea of, you know, I want to be able to squat my 1RM with no assistance whatsoever because that readies me, you know, general physical preparedness. If all of a sudden I'm out and about and I get caught in an earthquake and I have to catch a boulder in a back squat, <laughs> highly unlikely but let's run with this i'm not going to be able to go whoa 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 hang on hold up let me just pop my knee sleeves on and belt up 
I, you know, I want to be as, as ready and able as I can be with zero assistance so that when I do get to treat myself and pull on a knee sleeve and put my lifters on and, and belt up nice and tight, I actually benefit from using them. What I don't want to do is build up a reliance on these things. So if I did every possible squat movement and lower body movement in my knee sleeves, all of a sudden I, I'll start to overthink things. I'll start to kind of go, oh, I'm about to squat and I haven't got my knee sleeves with me. Or, you know, I, I want I want to be able to kind of, regardless of the equipment I have with me, be able to function through the full range that the human body should really be able to move through and then use the you know, use the extra support as that, as extra support when I really need it. I do also occasionally, not so much anymore, more when I used to power lift, but kind of occasionally still treat myself. And Ellie, I know you use them slightly more regularly. Knee wraps. Do you want to touch on those just for a sec? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't really use knee sleeves at the moment when I'm I'm doing Matt cons, um, which isn't all that often at the moment. Um, <laughs> I use knee wraps um, predominantly because um, I have had them checked out, but my knees are a little bit creaky and sometimes they just require a little bit of extra support. So knee wraps, you have control over how much pressure you apply so that the wraps are open-ended, you secure them with Velcro. Um, in the winter, I tend to wear them a lot more, but that's predominantly to keep my knees warm once <laughs> I've warmed up. But if I'm going heavy and I want that extra support, then I'll just do them up extra tight um and it just it gives me a little bit of um i guess it's a bit of a comfort blanket in some ways but it's just there to give my knees a little bit of extra support um when i'm when i'm going heavy cool yeah it just furthers that idea of my, you know my knee sleeves have a predetermined amount of support that they're going to be able to give me my knee wraps if i want to go mental and you know cut the blood supply off to my lower leg it's not going to be particularly comfortable for a couple of reps, but it's going to give me an awful lot more support. And, you know, you'll see real elite level powerlifters wrapping their legs to within, you know, barely within pain tolerance, just so that they can kind of get everything they can out of those wraps from that bottom position. I'm not that extreme. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Next up, we're going to talk about skipping ropes. So I know these are in both of our gym bags. What do people need to think about in terms of ropes? Do they need one? Where should they get one? How much should they spend? Um, yes, would be my answer to ropes. I think if you were to ask me what the first piece of kit for your kit bag should be, my personal feeling is a rope. We obviously have them at the gym, but they have to be adjustable because we have to be able to um, have them in different classes for different people. So they need to be um, adjustable, which means they're fine. Um, they're obviously ropes, but they're they're not made to measure. Um, I think rope brand is kind of personal preference. I think the type of rope you want should depend on where you are at with your double under journey. So if you are a beginner, I would say you want a medium weight rope. And the reason being is that a medium weight rope will give you plenty of what we call tactile feedback. So you can feel it turning, which will enable you to learn the movement pattern for double unders. Um, more easily because you'll be able to feel where the rope is in terms of um, in the air when you're jumping. Uh, when you can do double unders, I would say you want a lightweight rope because the heavier the rope, the quicker it's going to burn your shoulders out. So for most regular gym users who are going to want to do double unders in a class, I would say a lightweight rope. At the other end of that spectrum, I would say if you are wanting to be a competitive athlete, 
there is some merit to having a heavyweight rope that you train with so that when you get into competition, double unders with your standard lightweight rope feels super, super easy. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't know what brand mine is, but it's one that I've adjusted and kind of cut to fit. Um, there's definitely better ropes than the one I have. It's probably the next thing that's due an upgrade, really. But there's yeah definite merit in kind of having your own rope that you know how you know how it feels and it's you know measured exactly to fit your your body, your limbs, etc. Um, nice. We are on to the final piece of the five different equipments grips i'm a fan of grips because i've got softer <laughs> slightly more uh, damageable hands so it seems um Bam. i tend to i tend to kind of rip and i guess my hands are a little bit sensitive i'm probably going to regret saying that on something that's going to be distributed publicly yeah, i've got tiny hands as well um but yeah i, I tend to rip a fair bit and grips for me are just kind of an extra layer of protection more than anything. Um, they can kind of almost hold chalk a little bit longer than my hands. They're easy to kind of drop out the way. So, so when I when I say grips, um, I mean essentially kind of gymnastic grips. So they strap around the wrist. Um, some of them don't have any finger holes and are just kind of pieces of material to grip between your hand and the bar. Others have two holes or three holes to cover more or less of your hand based on hand size. The, the proper way to use them is you're supposed to kind of allow them to almost fold over in your hand and create, I think, what gymnastics, uh, what's, what's known as in gymnastics, a dowel, which is kind of a tiny bit of the grip that you can kind of grab onto. Like gym, proper gymnastics grips, I believe, have an actual little steel rod that runs through them, which is that dowel. And you kind of mimic that with grips in kind of functional fitness that you kind of fold over. Um, but yeah, for me, they're just it kind of takes the uncertainty out of the bar that I'm using. If I'm using, you know, a bar at another gym or a bar at home or a couple of the different bars at Valesco, I always kind of know how it's going to feel because I've got my own personal pair of grips. It doesn't, you know, put me at the mercy of the different bars that I'm going to be grabbing grabbing hold of. Um, Ellie, thoughts on grips? Uh, uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, I've had probably every brand of grip out there at some point. Um, with the exception of the latest ones that uh, I think you have, um, James, I I've never really got on with them. I I like feeling. I feel safer on a bar and throwing my body weight around on it if I feel like I'm in contact with what is stopping me from crashing to the ground. Um, I I do use chalk when I'm on a bar. I do have a preference. James has obviously talked about um, not being at the mercy of the type of bar, so. When he talks about the type of bar, we have two types in the gym here. There are the steel coloured ones, which are what we call galvanised steel, and they are my preference because they're super grippy. The black ones are what you call a powder coat. Some people prefer them, um, but they're a little bit more slippy, so it depends It depends what your preference is. As somebody else who has small hands, I like something to feel super grippy, and I like to be able to feel where I'm moving on the bar. Um, I take good care of my hands, and that's not to suggest that James doesn't, but I think you can limit the amount your hands rip when you're doing high-volume high gymnastics if you make sure you're getting rid of calluses and you, you, you keep your hands as soft as possible. So I think I think grips are probably, probably more than most things, are definitely personal preference, yeah. both from a 
whether you like them or not, but also which grips you get on better with. Some people like the really thin, um, kind of just almost a piece of really thin, like woven material. Some people like the leather ones. The only ones I've ever really got on with for a short period of time were a carbon coated pair. Um, and I believe there's a couple of other new brands out there now which um, are rumoured to be better than the ones I've tried. So you'll probably see me at some point go, oh, I'll give Grips another go um, and buying a pair and then discarding them two weeks <laughs> later and giving them to somebody else. Um, but yeah, Grips are definitely personal preference. I would say if you're somebody whose hands rip or you're thinking about buying gymnastic Grips, don't start with the expensive ones because yeah. if you don't get on with them, you've just spent a lot of money and potentially you've bought ones that fit your hands or you've bought them and you've cut them to size, which then means you're not going to be able to, to give them to, to somebody else. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. When I say my hands rip now and again, they still rip in grips if I do high volume stuff. Um, so it's not a case that you'll buy grips and all of a sudden your hands won't rip or hurt anymore. Um, the other thing that sometimes happens, which I sometimes find quite useful, is if I catch the grip nice and tight. So I use Pixel grips, um, which have holes in them, but I don't actually use the holes. I just let the, the material sit between my hand and, and the bar. If I catch it low enough and I get enough tension on it, actually it can take a little bit of the stress off my actual grip because I can keep enough pressure on the grip itself that I kind of end up almost hanging from the band around my wrist as opposed to at my actual hand having to grip hold of the bar. Um, so there's one or two other potential benefits, but they are a, a super personal thing. Um, have their place, but again, not essential. There's, in terms of brands, there's Bear Complex, Bear as in the animal, um, Pixel are starting to produce quite a lot of grips that are, are generally really well reviewed. Uh, Victory Grips as well. I know they're starting to kind of build a bit of momentum they're particularly grippy particularly thick um so yeah a few few kind of brands to be getting in with as well um i said we touched on it earlier ellie equipment in relation to injury so i've got a bad knee i should probably wear knee sleeves or i've got a bad back i should definitely buy a belt thoughts uh yeah thoughts are equipment um whether it's a band a belt tape whatever should never be used to mask an injury so if you've got a bad knee if you've been given the advice that it's safe by a professional that it's safe to train on your knee and the suggestion is that a knee support or a knee wrap would help absolutely wear it the same if you have been given professional advice that wearing a belt would help um, actually strengthen your core because bracing against something like a belt can actually help develop the muscle then again yes absolutely wear one what i would strongly encourage anybody to do is that if they pick up any niggles either in the gym or or outside and that is then starting to impede their training don't just buy the piece of kit that you think is going to put it right and effectively put a sticking plaster on it because it may solve the problem in the short term, but what you will probably find is that you'll end up with bigger problems further down the line because it's doing exactly that, sticking a plaster over it. It's not actually resolving the problem. So on the advice of professionals, yes, use it um, with caution. But as a general rule, the kit in your bag is there to support your training when you are fully functioning and injury-free. Yeah, it, it, it goes... The point I made earlier on about building up a tolerance to it, that's probably even more important with an injury. And if you're nursing an injury or, or you're rehabbing a, a problem, the last thing you want to do is become so reliant on a piece of equipment 
that your body never actually fully recovers because it now needs this crutch to allow it to move in a specific way. Um, can absolutely talk from personal experience. A couple of years ago, suffered an injury where it was just after I joined here and I, it was particularly bad. It meant my lower back, you know, I, I could barely hinge. I couldn't pick 60 kilos up off the floor in a deadlift. Um, and my initial response was, all right, cool. I'm going to buy a new band, a new belt that's slightly smaller than my current belt because I can pull it tighter. Um, and I, all I did was end up making the injury worse and delaying my recovery. Um, and it wasn't until I got physio and I started working on the imbalances in my body and actually building up strength like right from the beginning again in, in the kind of injured areas that I started to get better. So, you know, ultimately, <clears throat> I've got a bad back. I should buy a belt. No, like lifting shoes aren't a substitute for poor mobility a belt isn't a substitute for poor form you know they are there to help you if used correctly um so yeah hopefully the last kind of 20 minutes or so have been a nice little overview on kind of what to expect from the equipment what sort of equipment to be looking for what it can do for you but also maybe how not to to use it as well um ellie if you were if you had kind of one kind of asked you this on a q a last week i think but if you could pick one piece of equipment to move forward with for the rest of your lifting career, what would that be? My belt. Your lifting belt? Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah I, th- I, th- I think mine would probably be the same. Um, my shoes I can definitely do without. My sleeves I sometimes even forget to wear. Um, but my belt is my one thing that when it's, you know, when, when we're kind of working at top end, that's the one thing that I, I like to make sure I've got. Um, Honourable mentions, I think things like tape, you know they're in they're in most people's gym bag. I think for taping up, you know where a bar might be rubbing, or if you're using hook grip, actually taping your thumb so that you have something a little bit more tactile and a little bit less slippery, a little bit less sweaty to kind of hold on to. Um, if you're not sure what we mean by hook grip, maybe ask a coach on your next in. It's quite a useful thing to know about, but not maybe essential if you're kind of in the early stages. Um, chalk again, we've touched on that a couple of times. Usually that's gym provided. So it's not necessarily the sort of thing to have in your kit bag, but you know, at the moment, liquid chalk is probably a useful thing to have. Things start to get sweaty, just means you're less likely to slip off a bar or you know drop a dumbbell. Um, so yeah, and I think you know having a having a shaker in there for a you know quick hit of protein after a workout is usually not a bad idea as well. Um, but yeah, Ellie, any final thoughts that you would like to add before we close out? Um, only to say, as always, if, if anyone's got any questions about the sort of kit that they should have, want to have, have thought about buying, and you're not sure either which brand to use or whether you need it at the moment, then just ask one of us. We're always happy to have a chat about anything training related, so just grab one of us, either in a class or afterwards, um, and we'll happily have a chat. And if any of you are struggling with any sort of niggles, aches and pains, as we said, please don't just buy a kit to mask it. But again, have a conversation with one of us about how we can um, help you rehab that and, and get back to, to injury and niggle-free training. Yeah, we mentioned it before. Um, you know, we've got Lucy on site, uh, who is a sports therapist and works absolute wonders. So if you've got anything going on, you know, there's probably no better person to talk to, really. Um, cool. As always kind of share this with anyone you think is relevant if if you know if somebody asks you about kit 
feel free to share share what you know, but as, as a resource to direct them to, you know, hopefully this is, is useful to some people. Um, rate it, subscribe, kind of all the, all of the usual stuff. Um, thanks once again for listening with the, the first three episodes, the, the, the listens so far. There's, I've been really impressed. It's probably a, a lot more than I anticipated us having. And we're getting loads and loads of really positive feedback as well. And honestly, like this is a bit of fun and, and hopefully something that you guys find useful. But it's really nice to know when it's helped somebody, like one person sharing how one specific part of a previous podcast has helped them is super cool and you know makes me really happy it's not you know we don't do this for any kind of gratification but it's super nice to know when when that does help somebody so please do let us know if you know if you have a kind of wow moment or anything kind of really gets you going on that note it's bye from me bye from ellie bye guys have a lovely day thank you for listening see you later team